0: On this episode of AV Week, creating a standard for global AV deployments and looking ahead to the economic forecast of 2020 and beyond. All that and more next on AV Week.
1: The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This, this is this AV, AV Nation. Nation. This
2: is
3: AV Nation.
0: This is AV Week, episode four thirty five, recorded Friday, December twentieth, two thousand nineteen. Brazilian support for AV Nation is brought to you by Kramer, AV Beyond the Box, and by Christie Digital, and by Fire. This is a b week your weekly wrap-up of audio visual news and information my name is tim albright i am your host with us to discuss the news and information one last time for 2019 first and foremost miss Corey Schaefer from qsc welcome ma'am
1: uh happy new year tim happy holidays
0: happy holidays she's probably the warmest of the five of us here so let's let's say that Corey is out on the on the west coast the rest of us are you know chuck and i
1: it's the chilly 70.
0: yeah so, uh, also with us, I mentioned him, Chuck Wilson from NSCA. Welcome, sir. How you doing? Glad to be here. Absolutely, uh, Ernie Beck. I get to hang out with in DC with the Future Go Group and uh, and the, their video show. Uh, welcome, sir. Hey, Tim. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And Ernie is with uh, with Capture Design. Before I forget saying that, and mm-hmm. Integrate uh, Baltimore. Mm-hmm. I want you to talk about that at the at the end here too, uh, Ernie. Uh, last but not least, Mr. Mr. Jonathan Blackwood is, is it, this is his first time since taking over for our old buddy, Mr. Tom Levine at Commercial Integrator. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, so not for nothing, let's kick it off with Commercial Integrator and, uh, and our friend Greg McCormick writing about 2020. It's the State of the, state of the Industry Report 2020. Uh, I like this quote, don't get too comfortable, kids. Uh, one of the things that, uh, that Craig mentions here is the fact that Avixa and a number of other uh, organizations have forecasted let's call it rosy pictures uh, for the next couple of years. Yes, there's gonna be growth in the industry. Yes, there's gonna be money to be made. However, there is a but here and a very big one. If you talk to economists, Chuck every year at BLC, uh, their business leadership conference has an economist. Uh, The event that I do with uh, some other folks, the folks at PSNI, they also have an economist. These economists have been saying for a couple of years now that there is a chance for a recession between now and let's say 2030, 2032, depending on which one you, you look at. Jonathan, That I think that was one of, of Craig's points here is don't get too comfortable. Yes, there's it's still a a bull market uh, as it were for AV, but don't get too comfortable. As you guys are talking to integrators, what preparations are they making? Uh, or are all of them saying, you know what? It's fine, we're, we're, we're gonna make money for the next 10 years, we're good.
3: Yeah. I I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think that there are certainly people that are, uh, kind of, the I'll believe it when I see it type of people and I'm going to ride the wave of growth while the wave of growth is available to me and I'll deal with the repercussions when, when they appear. Um, but I think that there's a lot of people that are, um, one of the things recurring revenue, which I know we talk about a ton uh, within the industry, I think that a lot of companies are trying to implement those strategies as soon as possible so that when the recession hits, they already have that upfront and they have the systems implemented and then it's just an operating expense cost, which is a lot tougher to cut out than capital expenditure where you're bringing in a completely new system. But ultimately, you know, one of the things that um, uh, Dave Lubuscus said in, uh, when Craig was interviewing him for this report was that AV has now become a necessity uh, for organizations. You can't operate without audiovisual equipment where maybe even 10 years ago, it could be argued that AV is a luxury. Um, so I think that for the most part, it's strengthening the business, streamlining, making sure that there's not waste in any spots, um, and then just hoping for the best and hoping that the Recession uh, isn't going to hit us too bad because at, at the end of the day, you know, the recession will really determine what happens to companies. But if you have all your ducks in a row, then you'll have the best uh, opportunity to kind of stay
0: afloat during that that tough time. Chuck, as you are going around the country and, and having you know conversations with different uh, integrators and your members, what are they telling you about this this forecast?
4: Well. You know, um,
0: and I, I agree with uh, everything
4: Jonathan said. What, what, what we use is this electronic systems outlook more than anything. So every, every six months, um, our members get this and we look at it. We, we, um, it's done by FMI, a research company that focuses on kind of the new construction, renovation side of things. So we, we always look at it like we will know with a, a pretty good runway we'll understand what is happening at the start and the, the front end of, of where our projects lead us by checking out what architects, engineers, the design consultants and everybody have on their work in progress lists, more or less. So we, we get this snapshot periodically every, like I said, every six months. So with that, you know it's become our leading indicator for the last 20 years or whatever so when i when i go out and talk to people they all have that on their desk they all ask me about it and the view that we have on that looks like for the next couple of years everything will be fine based on on where our business is originated from for for a large part the other thing like jonathan said as well is people need what we offer now people want what we offer it helps them with their business and a lot of what we're doing today helps them when they face a recessionary period in our, in their business. So we're there to to help them with you know the ability to communicate during those times. So I think I think what we're doing is we're we're diversifying enough, moving ourselves into these somewhat economically insensitive uh, type markets, like we we talk about in the report. So from from my vantage point, you know it it looks good. And, and then with the caveat, for now. <laughs> and, and so our economists tell us, for now, we should be fine.
0: Yeah. Corey, that that whole for now thing is important because um, most of us on this call, I would say all of us on this call, uh, remember the last recession, which was, which was roughly 10 years ago, a little bit more, uh, and the, the time it spent, it, it took to kind of recover, right? Uh, and it, all of us have friends who you know, lost businesses, lost jobs in, in, in that time period. Is there anything we can take from that ten years ago or eleven years ago to not only you know um, help ourselves if it, it does turn to this and, and does do a downturn, but also to, get, to provide um, you know a little bit of, of help to those who were not in positions of, of, of decision making ten years ago, but they will be this next time around if it does if it does, a downturn does happen.
1: Yeah, you know I think we have to look at history. I mean, because history helps us also look forward, right? So we have to learn from it. And I think um, at, at our company, at QSC, we we're preparing in the way of, we have three business units and they're very, very different, right? So the system side, what's, what's a really good indicator for us on the system side is talking and being really close to the consultant community because those guys are working on projects that are typically three years and further out. You know, maybe so that's a really good indicator of what does the business look like talking to end users and what do they have planned? But we're really able to see, are they turning it up, turning it off and being being, you know. So how do we learn from what happened before is uh, understanding, if you look at history, that it we do see a recession about every 10 to 12 years. So know that we're likely going to see something here very soon and be conservative and mindful for it. And then if you can diversify, like we have, the system, uh, the, we have the system side that I mentioned, but we also have what we call live sound and watching that uh, vertical and what's happening there. And it's changed a lot to, you know, a lot of online. We see the cinema side, which is another business unit for us in that um, it kind of is lagging what we've seen in systems and systems. We saw a lot of consolidation happen in, in cinema. We're starting to really see that now. Um, and then also we're seeing on the cinema side, that um, they're they're starting to kind of actually edge into what sort of our systems business because if you go to cinema today, it's not just a cinema; it's an event space, right? So it's restaurant and it's bars and it's potentially bowling alleys, and so we're seeing these two business units kind of um, overlap a bit. Um, and we're grateful that we have these three because maybe when one one is up and the other one's down, it helps you know us plan. Um, plan better and um, share multiple resources and so on. But um, I mean, you know, one's coming. It's great. I love Dave Labuscus's uh, comment as well, Jonathan, that you said is that, you know, AV is a, is really a necessity. We see it in retail. Retail's moving to more experience spaces versus having inventory. You know, kind of gone are the days when you go into a place and actually walk out with something. You go into a place to play with it and then order it. It's, it's interesting. I mean, this is all Really good stuff for AD, I think.
0: Well, it's all—it's all things that have happened, honestly, in the last ten years since the last recession, um, that changed, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Ten years ago, it was a completely different system, and those experienced designers have have kind of come out of that come out of that that uh, that environment.
1: And you hit on something, you said these experienced designers, but I, I was uh, almost hearing experience. You know, the big buzzword of the last couple of years has been we create experiences. And we really have. I think, you know, today we we're, this is the last show before the holiday. And when I think about holiday gifts, I want to give an experience. Everybody's seeking out, you know, where they can go and have a lasting memory and experience. And that's great for us in AB. Absolutely.
0: Ernie, I want to take you, take a different uh, thing with, uh, turn with you on this. Um, talk about it from you know the, the forecasting and uh, Ernie design systems, and, and talk about it from that aspect, but also talk about it from from the work you do in, in trying to get young people into the industry. How do you have that conversation about you know whether the the, the economy and the you know, the future of of a potential job in AV and the fact that that you know everybody on this panel is saying you know what yes the economy may take a downturn, but this is an industry that's, that's pretty stable because back to Mr. Lobuscus, everybody needs AV. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's a
2: good question. It's funny. I actually started my career in the AV industry during the, the last recession in 2009. Um, so I was coming into a systems integrator and they were getting off these large capital projects. And I think what kept them afloat um, just as an aside, was leveraging more contract vehicles. You know, we're here in the Maryland D.C. area, um, so there's a lot of government work. And I think the thing that really helped help weather that 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 lack of construction project work, those large capital projects, was those smaller um, uh, con- contract vehicles that they had that were doing more uh, more pro- more smaller scale projects at larger at, at a larger volume. Um, so the the point is is that whether it's 2009 or 2019 or 2022, right? When the next recession hits um, companies have to put themselves in positions to succeed. Just like the article says, and Dave Labuska says, you know, they need to diversify their service offerings. If there's an area or or a business unit within their offering package that they're not really focusing heavily on, maybe it's managed services, maybe it's unified communications, um, maybe it's digital signage. Now is the time, while while the industry is hot and things are things are producing, um, to focus and put resources there, so that when the inevitability of a recession hits, um, those things are those other business units can help carry their weight and, and spread it out. So, how you translate that conversation to students? Um, quite honestly, they're not really thinking about the recession, right? They're thinking about how do I get a job? How do I get a career? How do I how do I get a return on investment in my education? Um, how do I pay my bills, right? And so, uh, for for them, I think one of the one of the benefits the, the industry can offer to students is that they there is an, again not a recession proof business model, but a recession resilient type of industry. If you were to tell those same students, listen, you know, if let's say you're interested in hands on, you know, because we work I work with a lot of students or have worked with a lot of students, rather, I should say. Um, that are, you know, they say, I, I want to be hands-on. I like to build things, right? Well, you could become an installation technician in the AV industry or you could go work in construction, let's say. Um, but what I would say to them is that the benefit to the AV industry is it's a more re- recession-resilient industry than construction. Um, construction, when they start, when times get tough and they stop building, you stop building, right? Whereas in AV, it do- you don't necessarily have to have a construction project for integrators to do work. Right, they can be doing um, managed services. They could be doing, uh, you know, ongoing support and maintenance. They could be doing any number of retrofits and projects that aren't tied to a capital, uh, tied to a capital budget. So I think the 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 benefit maybe of VIXA, NSCA, you know, these other organizations that are promoting workforce development um, should should take is that, you know, I don't know how they would work that really into their marketing pitch but I think it's a conversation that's worth having with students because they're ultimately going to be subject to the the economic ebbs and flows just as we all are
1: yeah. don't you think maybe this time when there is a recession we will even be more resilient because of the managed services right I, I mean many organizations have have gotten that message Chuck do you have any data on how many of your members now are offering services
4: well I w- I'm we do have, have the data, in it, and I just, uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not 100% sure I trust it, because I, I don't think we've done a good job, Corey, of, of really defining what we mean by managed services versus service mm-hmm. contracts versus a service level agreement versus help desk versus A-V all as stuff. a service. Yeah, EV as a service. we got so many definitions flying around that I that I question that, you know, this 12% number that, that we use here. but. Um, you know, 12% is our best guess about how many of our members or the, the revenue produced of the, the total revenue produced 12% of it is based on recurring the, um, re, or the state of the industry data. I think Jonathan is a little lower than that. Right. So if- yeah.
3: Yeah. A, a bit lower. And I think that, um, you know, we've had this conversation and, and we're trying to figure it out ourselves is the, right now managed services and AV as a service are really used interchangeably. But they're two different things. And if you ask me to tell you which is which right this second, I, I'm not sure that I could because it's like, I'm not sure that the industry has decided which is which yet. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that's something that we're trying to um, better understand so that uh, our uh, readers can better understand, you know, do they want to get into managed services? Do they want to get into AV as a service? And which is which?
0: Yeah.
3: yeah
2: so and there's just Jump in. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead, Chuck.
4: I was going to say, so there, there's that, Corey, where, where we're not really sure what the definitions are. What I do know is everywhere I go, that's what they're talking about. So they're thinking the exact same thing we're talking about here is that, you know, in order to hedge against, you know, future downturns in the new construction, let's say, or the project-oriented side of the business, and to create that stickiness that we, we gain from having those managed services or embedded services with the client, it's like it. It just makes the best business sense. Even more important, when you look at our metrics, like like in the project side of the AV uh, space that we're in, is that at best on, and especially corporate AV has this margin erosion happening big time. But but at best, our anticipated GP on a on a gross profit on a. Um, AV installation is just a little bit over 30%. When you look at the GP stats that we have on the managed services side of that business, it's at 60%. Mm So it doesn't take a, it doesn't take a, a genius to figure out that if I can tilt that scale towards the managed services as a percentage of revenue, my blended GP will tip in favor of having a much higher profit, which means that, and, you know, it it makes that those up and down months with projects, it makes it a little easier to, to get through those times. And, you know, like in a seasonal place, like where I live is we have to work really, really hard in the summer because in the winter time there isn't that much going on. Right. So we, we have the seasonality and all that. So that the managed services thing just makes a tremendous amount of sense.
0: All right, guys. Uh, last story here uh, and, uh, before, actually, the last story of the year that I'll have to read. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, from our friends over at AV Network, Indeed, uh, which is the, uh, according to this article, the biggest job site in the world now, uh, is deploying uh, Jabra Panacast cameras across its global office network. The one thing I want to point out here, they have created a standard of, Indeed, inside, uh, has created a standard where they're standardizing on the, on the Panacast. Corey, I want to actually start with you on this. Um, I am aware of a number of integrator friends who have worked with their clients to create global standards. Now, we'll talk about globalization here basically for the rest of the show because one of the things that is interesting as these local clients are looking to replicate the success of a, of a particular office or a particular install, they're working with, with these dealers and saying, okay, this worked really great. Now I want this everywhere, Right want the same equipment everywhere. How do manufacturers, first and foremost, get in there and start listening and, and start, you know, finding out about these initiatives, these initiatives, and these programs? Where you know, just north of me is is one of the biggest manu- uh, uh, tractor manufacturers, Caterpillar, right, in Peoria, mm-hmm. uh, halfway between here and, and Chicago. Uh, they have global offices, right? Um, here in St. Louis, we have a, a Mastercard uh, facility. This is not their local this is not their their global headquarters but it's a it, you know, it, it's a local version or a local processing center so somewhere you know the, the masterCard's you know headquarters they're saying hey we want this same experience everywhere how do manufacturers find out about these you know sooner rather than later
1: so the best way is from those companies directly themselves and at every trade show we're starting to see more and more end users attend those trade shows um, so it's great when we can have conversations and understand what they're doing. And many, many of the large enterprise companies are developing standards. And so getting in early and finding out what that process is like, and it's typically, you know, they have a lab, they have to do proof of concept, they they start talking about their geography, their footprint, where all their locations are, the accessibility to equipment in all those locations, because they want to work with manufacturers and potentially integrators that can serve them um, all over the globe. And, um, so, you know, getting in early, we're getting, we're getting a lot of those leads directly from, uh, the trade shows like Infocom and ISE. You have lots of end users, uh, attending those, which is really great. And, you know, they want to, mostly they want to replicate the experience for sure, but they're trying to reduce variables. Supporting AV and AV gets such a bad rap about, you know, this and that is wrong or whatever, but a lot of it's because there's so many variables. But if you've locked down a standard and you've got all this, you have you know exactly what the equipment is, it's certainly easier to support it, right? Because you can have spares, you can, um, there's just so many reasons why standards, you know, make good sense. So um, talking to them directly is great. And then another one is making sure that you as a manufacturer have great relationships with your integrator partners, so that you approach these end users uh, through a partnership. Because when you walk into an end user with your integrator partner, um, they see that and, and they realize that, they're cl- close to the manufacturer maker and the, par- the partner who's going to install and support it. Yeah, totally. So it's twofold.
0: Uh, Chuck, when you're, when a, a dealer walks in and, and ha- has that conversation, you know, like Corey said, what are some of the steps in, in, in creating that standard, um, you know, for your dealers and, and, and for your members, but for an integrator walking in and saying, okay, th- these are the steps that we need. And this is what we need to know from you, the client, before we can really, you know, make a good, effort in creating a real a real global standard
4: yeah so um, this is where this is where our members are kind of shifting from you know being being certainly all about the product but about all about the experience and the solution and being problem solvers so so I think right now is that the the real challenge is just to ask the right questions you know to really become this vertical market solution specialist, if you will. So, so that when, whenever they have the opportunity to drive that, like, like Corey said, get out in front and to drive that, that specification or that standard is we've got to truly understand their business and what they're trying to solve and how they're trying to operate and what the, you know, the, the desires are and what the absolute uh, minimums are for them. But we have seen this same thing happen is that our domestic, uh, integration community is being almost drug over to other parts of the world. They're, I don't think they have intentions of doing that from a, a primary expansion motive, but I think, I think what they're, they're having to do to become that preferred solution provider is number one is to really, really learn all about the business of that particular vertical market that they're in. So they know how to apply the solution, but two is to be able to, um, partner or to respond no matter where in the globe that 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 um end user has a need for this system so the i guess the demand right now is based on no matter where our executives go, anywhere around the world, they want to walk into that building, into that room, into this type of room, and have it be identical to where they were just at before that or where their corporate headquarters is. So so we're seeing that. Um, not everybody is successful at this, I might add. So so it's kind of like farming around here, Tim, is that, you know, they, they always say that the the best way to make a million dollars farming is to start out with two million dollars right and so a lot of our members have lost money by going in with this um, all excited kind of we 're going to take what we do around the world to 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 really you know kind of get a dose of reality that they probably should have had a really good um, partner you know like like what Corey was saying is to team up and partner with your your vendors or to create a network like PSNI I did and others is it makes more sense to, to understand what you're getting yourself into before you lose all that money, let's say.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ernie, as you're creating this standard and as you're working with your clients, what are some of the things that you, you have to know, right? What, what, are, what are, you know, the, the Chuck, Chuck mentioned, you know, asking the right questions. What are those questions that you, from your clients?
2: Yeah, sure. So, what you first, I think there's, and I've created um, global AV standards for for a handful of, uh, of of clients, both on the integration and on the consultant side. And I think the first thing you need to ask here are all the right are the right stakeholders in the conversation, right? Because you could have somebody who is solely focused on the project. You could have another stakeholder who is focused on the IT and the support. And could have another stakeholders involved in the business application, right? So even within an organization globally, it's going to be it's going to vary office to office of what those business operations are and what the, the needs to support them are going to be. So you you could from a, from a hardware perspective, you could really aim to have a very consistent hardware experience from you know, where the, where the touch panel is in the room to what type of C- TVs we are, are specifying so they can buy in bulk. And as Corey said, keep spares. But, you know, there may be a, there may be a call center involved, right? And that call center may be using a very specific type of, of call center product that they do their trainings on. So you can't just make this a Zoom room because everything else is a Zoom room, right? You, you have to be sensitive to the different business units. So having the right stakeholders is, I think, first and foremost, key. Um, and then understanding what, ha- you know, you're not going to design a system and a set of standards that, um, pleases everybody, but you're going to have to make the most, co- you're going to have to make decisions on what are the most common denominators within this system? What are the main core functions that these need to do? And then, you know, all the way through documenting that. Cause to me, at the end of the day, a global standard is only as good as it is documented. Um, it, it that becomes the manual and followed. And followed. Right, because right, you follow. could document it, it
1: and then no one looks at it.
2: Yeah, and, and I think that's really, that's really key is, is uh, having the right players at the table, um, knowing what goals they want to accomplish with this, knowing what platforms. And I'll tell you, one of the challenges is when both of those conversations happen during a capital construction project because you have to learn how to decouple the conversation around this particular build with the idea of how are we creating new enterprise standards. And some clients, sometimes clients don't understand the, the distinction. They think, well, we're going to go build this 100,000 square foot facility. Now is a good time for us to decide on Skype or Zoom. Well, not quite. You should have decided on Skype or Zoom probably six months to 12 months ahead of time, right? And this is one services that my firm offers is not only the, the traditional build consulting, um, but also the UC advisory side of things, right? So how, how can we get in there six months, 12 months ahead of time, workshop the transition with small groups from one platform to another, and that way that will inform our decisions going into a rollout of a new office and thus um, inform new uh,
0: spaces in the future. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan, as we wrap up here, what is the danger of uh, an organization going down this whole global um, platform, this whole global standard uh, road because one of the things that, that we've seen in the past is you know what what um oh the old line if, if it plays in peoria it'll be fine in new york right um really old saying i think it's you know older than me um what is the, the the danger here of putting together something that is fine for the corporate headquarters but then you get to the the field office in i don't know manchester you know or the field office in Amsterdam, and it just doesn't work that way. What, how, number one, what's the, the danger? Then number two is how do, how do our, our integrator friends uh, fix it in the field, I guess is the best way to put that.
3: Yeah, I think that the danger is uh, quite simply just biting off more than the entire organization that you're trying to outfit can chew. Okay. So uh, essentially, every AV integrator for the most part, is a creative type. And when they go into a single space, they want to outfit it and make it, you know, just sing for that specific client. And I think when we talk about globalization, we're talking about the difference between a handmade, handcrafted, you know, whittled down from a, a tree that you cut down yourself would chair versus uh, mass mass producing that same chair. There are going to be quality issues that you need to essentially bring down so if I go into a spot and it's just a, a single uh, it's just a single build I'm gonna try and give them some bells and whistles some things that they can really do unique things with like let's say it's a collaboration system I'm gonna really try to implement um, some capabilities that are top line capabilities Now to Ernie's point, if I'm doing it and I know that this is going to be globalized and it's going to go out to a bunch of different buildings with their own unique considerations, I need to pare that down to the bare bones of what everybody in the organization needs. And the unique aspect of it needs to, to a certain extent, come out. Because a lot of times that unique aspect is what's raising the cost and raising the complexity of the build. So you need to know that whatever you're documenting is someone, something that someone else in another country is going to be able to implement themselves. So if you start saying, you know, it has to be exactly this size, it has to be exactly oriented this way, it has to have exactly these capabilities, you're just creating more potential pain points and potential mistakes for whoever is going to carry that out in another place. So what I would say is, again, to Ernie's point, get in touch with the right stakeholders that are making decisions for the entire company. Find out what everybody in the company needs and then design a system that does all of that Without going too far above and beyond, as as blasphemous as that sounds, uh, that you know, in six different locations, there's going to be six different problems with six different aspects of the solution. So it's it's simplify, streamline, and make sure that there is as little room for error as possible, while still uh, delivering on what the client needs. And and I think for every AV project, that's something that you know, it's that constant struggle between what the client actually needs and what I can deliver for the client. And a lot of times we want to try and deliver something really cool so that they're, you know, they're extremely impressed with what we've done. But in this type of scenario, it's it's as simple as delivering what they need so that they're happy with what we've done.
1: Yeah, what's really cool.
2: Sorry, I'll just say what's really cool to clients is when it works from office to office to office. It's no longer how many bells and whistles I can nice to have go bye-bye it is how can we how can we create a product that can be rolled out and when it works in one place and then works in another it's magic Um, just like maybe used to be with your single builds. yeah it's
1: and I was just gonna share a pain point from manufacturers point of view regarding standards as well that and it does involve this comment of of pulling in all the stakeholders including the purchasing side of the end-user because um, we worked to get a um into a particular large company standard and it was great but what that created then was they thought this kind of the shopping list it was easy and they went to places like cdw to try to buy qsc equipment and so it became a real um uh, bottleneck because we we don't sell our solutions that way we sell to qualified integrators so we we learned a good lesson there that how they buy and where they're going to buy also has to be part of the standard created.
3: And, and I'll just throw out there that it, it's called standard for a reason. You know, it's, it's not above standard, it's not super standard, it's standard. You want something that everybody
0: uh, can implement. All right. That'll be a good place to stop uh, for us and for the year. Uh, we do have two more programs coming out, we'll talk about that in a second. Thank you all so very much for spending your Friday before Christmas with us. Uh, Ms. Corey Schaefer, how do people find you and or QSC?
1: So uh, QSC.com you can find me on all the social uh, channels and then um, hopefully some of you will be attending the upcoming ISE show in February and you can find me and the QSC stand in hall one, uh, stand 1F120.
0: Absolutely. Uh, We'll be by by there as well. Uh, Mr. Blackwood, thank you, sir. And congratulations uh, in person for, 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 Taking, up, taking over the reins. Um, how do people find you or Commercial Integrator? Uh, head
3: over to CommercialIntegrator.com. You can find me at Blackwood Tweets or reach out to me, Jonathan.Blackwood at EmeraldExpo.com. Uh, thank you so much. And um, I'm looking forward to really sinking my teeth into the industry and trying to help our readers build their businesses the best they can. Yeah, absolutely.
0: absolutely, uh, Mr. Wilson, thank you, sir. I appreciate your time as always, sir. How do people get a hold of you or, uh, or an SCA? Um, the easiest way is just nsca.org,
4: and then uh, we got the foundation's website. We got igniteyourcareer.org, which is really cool, which is that that uh, talent management workforce development website we have, so a bunch of different websites is, is the best way to get a hold of me. Very
0: good. Everybody, Kelly Perkins, uh, help us out with, with yeah. the, Check that out, please. Mr. Beck, I, I left you for last because I also want you to talk about uh, Integrate Baltimore. <laughs> so how do people find you, uh, first of all, in, in, in Capture Designs, but also uh, what about uh, uh, Ignite or uh, uh, Integrate uh, Baltimore? Yeah, so
2: you can find my consulting firm at capturedesigngroup.com. Uh, and then you can also find our local nonprofit here in Baltimore at integratebaltimore.org. And we are trying to raise awareness about uh, fulfilling careers in the pro AV industry. So uh, I am on social media, but I'm not very good at it. So you can look me up, but uh, <laughs> you better just go to websites,
0: actually. Very good. Uh, Thank you, for Tim. Me, yeah, absolutely. Uh, for me, for Tim Mulberry, don't go on to the Twitters. Um, it, it's the Friday before Christmas and the Bears have been out for like two months. So <laughs> I've got the Blues. The Blues are still the... The, uh, the, uh, the the, the uh, defending Stanley Cup champions, but right now it's still football and it's painful. Uh, <laughs> go by the website, if you would, please, tv. That's tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. I mentioned uh, the fact that this is our last one. This is our last news uh, program of, of, the, of the year. We do have two more programs coming out. Uh, next week, uh, we will release what we call our best of. Uh, so these are... The most listened to, the most downloaded, the most shared, the most replied to, uh, the most yelled at episodes of 2019, and the week after that, we will do our year in review, year in preview, where we get people smarter than me—actually, uh, Kelly Perkins uh, was one of them—to uh, talk about the biggest stories of 2019 and uh, give us a pontification of what they think will happen in 2020. So, so, yeah, so stay tuned. We got some more stuff coming out. Uh, also, while you're at the website, uh, check out our supporters section. These are the folks who help us financially, help us bring you AV Week, Resi Week all the other shows we do and our coverage of ISE 2020 and QSC is one of those. And we thank them for their support. So all of that and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thank you so very much for listening and and for watching this year and and the years before. Uh, And thanks for uh, for watching and and listening next year. So that's all the time we have for AV Week.